peeps. You're listening to She's My Cherry Pie, the baking podcast from the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jesse Sheehan. I'm a baker, recipe developer, and author of three baking books, including my latest, Snackable Bakes. Each Saturday, I'm hanging out with the sweetest bakers around and taking a deep dive into their signature bakes. Today's guest is Angela Price. Angela is the founder and baker behind the Black Cake Company, a mail-order bakery based in Brooklyn that specializes in black cakes. Angela is from Barbados, but moved to New Jersey in 1972 and started her business in the 80s. Angela joins me to talk about her 35-plus years in the biz, how she found her purpose through baking, and all the nuances of this traditional Caribbean cake. We then take a deep dive into her black cake recipe, which is a bit of a secret, so Angela kindly gives us a peek into her process and techniques. As you might know, this cake is popular around the holidays, and it's especially buzzy right now due to the Hulu series based on the novel Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. If you're interested in trying one of Angela's black cakes, her bakery ships worldwide, so be sure to get your order in soon at blackcake.com. Stay tuned for my chat with Angela. Thank you to Plugra Premium European Style Butter for supporting today's show. Get ready to savor the season with Plugra Butter. With the holidays right around the corner, I know so many of you are planning what baked goods you'll be making. Maybe you're thinking about a buttery sugar cookies decorated with royal icing for that next cookie swap, or some light as air gougere for New Year's Eve. The pastry chefs and bakers I interview for this podcast are the best in the business, and they all agree on one thing when it comes to baking. Ingredients matter. Plugra Premium European-style butter is the perfect butter for your next baking project because it contains 82% butter fat. Also, it's slow-churned, making Plugra more pliable and easy to work with. I've been using Plugra ever since my first professional baking job. My go-to are the unsalted sticks. I get to control the amount of salt in the recipes, and the sticks come individually wrapped, perfect for precise measurements. Sticks or solid, salted or unsalted, whichever you prefer, Plugra Premium European-style butter is the ultimate choice. Ask for Plugra at your favorite grocery store or dash over to Plugra.com for a store locator and some delicious holiday recipes. That's Plugra.com. Are you looking for a holiday gift for a foodie friend? Well, we have the perfect one. A Cherry Bomb magazine subscription. Cherry Bomb is a beautiful keepsake print magazine that features stories and profiles on women and food, recipes you'll want to make, and gorgeous full-color photographs. An annual subscription is $100 and includes four issues with free shipping. Or check out the Bomb Squad membership program. Members get invites to member-only monthly meetings with networking, first dibs on event tickets, inclusion in the member directory, and more. There are three membership options starting at $50 a year. You can learn more about gifting a subscription or membership at cherrybomb.com. Let's check in with today's guest. Angela! So excited to have you on She's My Cherry Pie and to talk black cake with you and so much more. Thank you so much, Jesse. I really appreciate the opportunity to do it. Oh. So you've said that you learned to bake by osmosis, spending so much time in Barbados as a child with your mom, who baked cupcakes and made patties professionally. But spending time with her also fostered your entrepreneurial spirit. Can you tell us a little bit about both things, about learning to bake, but also kind of getting that entrepreneurial bug? Yeah, it was so automatic. In reflection, I realized I was out 
delivering those patties, delivering those cupcakes to supermarkets. You know, when I actually sat and reflected on it, I, I thought maybe this is really where my entrepreneurial spirit started. I guess I could say, too, my dad was a mechanic, and he also had his own auto mechanics shop that he built. And I think it was always in my blood, and I never even thought about it until this came around and, you know, women started to get into business for themselves, and I thought, I need to find myself. Can you tell us about the cupcakes and the patties? Like, what were the flavors, and did she have a special technique or anything about those two? Yeah, so she did different chocolate cupcakes. She did vanilla cupcakes. And then, of course, the icing was different. So you had pink and blue and all those other colors that she would deliver to the supermarket. The patties were these little dainty things. They were very tiny. I know Jamaicans make a large one, but in Barbados, we made these little tiny ones, almost the size of a cupcake. They had this ground beef inside of it and the pastry she made from scratch. (laughs) And then she would just fork it around and put it together. Your mom also taught you how to make black cake, which we will be talking about shortly and in depth. But did she teach you to bake anything else that you still love to bake today? Or does running a cake business and making cake all the time do it for you baking-wise? You know, she always made all kinds of cakes. So she made pound cake, and then there's sort of a variation on the black cake. It's called a light fruit cake, so it's like a pound cake just with a bit of fruit, and that was one of her favorites. I'll tell you a story when I started to make the black cake because my mom always made it brown. And so when I started, I started making it brown, and I put it out in the marketplace, and people said, well, this is not black cake. And I was like, well, yes, it is. It's what my mom made. Until I realized that we had that additional ingredient that turned the brown to black. Which we will be talking about. Yes. So you moved to the U.S., to New Jersey in 1972, started a family. And although you always baked traditional Caribbean black cake, your baking and cake making was primarily focused on making cakes and shipping to cousins and filling requests for friends. And your actual job was working with your husband. But then in 1987, or around then, things started to change. And I heard you tell Al Roker that there was a Johnny Carson episode where somebody did something to a fruitcake that upset you. And that you said, I'm going to change how people feel about fruitcakes. Can you tell us about that Johnny Carson episode? that was a moment. (laughs) They brought this crane in to crush a fruitcake. And they had this huge joke about it because they said fruitcakes are always passed on and on and on. And it was so hard that they could do absolutely nothing with it. I thought, oh, my goodness, if I could get the North American region to taste our fruitcake from the Caribbean, it would change everything. And it did. And then when you first started to think about maybe doing something with your mom's black cake for the first time, I guess, saw what it would feel like to measure out all of those ingredients. Can you tell us about that experience and how that kind of inspired you, in addition to the Johnny Carson episode, to sort of get the black cake word out, as it were? Yeah, I wanted to really find out why I was here. I really was seeking my purpose and thought, how could I absolutely do the thing that brings me joy. And so for three straight nights, I went to bed, and I asked God just before going to bed the question, 
what is my purpose? And for three straight mornings, I got up and I heard the word cakes. And that was what sent me on this journey. It was just at the time when women were getting into business for themselves in 1987. I was actually working with my husband in his data processing consulting firm, but I wasn't satisfied. I did put an ad in Working Woman in the classified section and got zero orders. (laughs) (laughs) What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It does. I was daunted. I just (laughs) kept going and going and going. And he offered a tremendous amount of support. And his business was growing, and he was able to support the business financially as well. So that really was the impetus for me to keep doing things. When you were making the black cake for friends and cousins, you weren't measuring either. You were just sort of doing it from memory. Yeah. And then you sort of put it onto paper once you knew, hey, this might be my business. I might want to do this professionally. Exactly. I started to measure everything because my mom measured nothing, but her cakes were perfect. So, you know, just following her, I decided if I want to replicate this cake, if I wanted to be consistent, I had to measure everything. It worked because of your business, but I also feel like that's a common refrain that our elders didn't, you know, grandmothers, et cetera, aunties, that nobody shared their recipes because they were all in their head. And if you didn't write them down, you were never going to have them. Right. I never wrote it down. I just had it because I was always around her when she baked, always around her when she cooked and baked. But baking really was my love, not so much cooking. (laughs) Even patties? Or even patties. patties. <laughs> even patties. Can you tell us about the absolute genius move that your husband made registering those URLs? Can you tell everyone what the URLs that you guys own for the business are? Yes. So he had a tremendous amount of foresight. He was in the data processing consulting world at that time, and he had employees working for him. And so we secured blackcake.com and rumcake.com. <laughs> Yeah, it was really, truly a blessing. Now, for over 35 years, you've been passionate about baking and building your company and about finding purpose. Can you tell us a little bit about the Black Cake Company? Caribbean Cake Connoisseurs was the name before. Yes. Tell us about running it in Brooklyn with Kamari, your daughter, and it's mail order only. And tell us all the scoops. Yeah, so we started out in New Jersey. I started out with my husband, and we were mailing and shipping cakes. At the time, in the early 1990s, there were a lot of black expos happening at Jacob Javits and in Maryland and California and Los Angeles and Texas and Houston and Atlanta. And so what I did was... We actually traveled to these cities, so we were able to expose the cake to a lot of other individuals in the States and also build our mailing list because somehow mailing and shipping was really my passion. I never saw myself in a sort of a retail store. And so we traveled and we took samples and we fed the people and we built our list and kept growing. And then we were... We got some exposure in Black Enterprise, and we got exposure in Essence Magazine and some of the newspapers, Star-Ledger in New Jersey, Amsterdam News. We got write-ups all along the way that also helped to propel us forward. So now there is this TV show on Hulu called Black Cake, which I have to say (laughs) I am really into. Have you watched? Do you like? 
I have watched at least three or four of the episodes. I think it was a real genius of Charmaine Wilkinson as she wrote that book and sort of put it out there in the marketplace. It tells a story of the Caribbean and the things that go on there, but this cake is so dear to the entire Caribbean region. Every island makes it. There's so many different names for it. In Barbados, where I'm from, it's called Great Cake, Black Cake, Fruit Cake. Jamaica calls it Christmas Pudding. People from Guyana call it Rum Cake. I mean, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Can you tell us about Hulu contacting you to help out with maybe, was it publicity for the show? Yes. We worked with both Hulu, Disney. They all bought cakes. We made like thousands of hearts. They sent some of the hearts for the actual November 1st launching of the Black Cake to universities, coffee shops. It was absolutely amazing. And have you seen, like, I hope, an uptick in sales now? Because I keep thinking if anyone Googles the TV show, (laughs) they're going to come upon your company and be like, oh, I can watch TV and eat the cake. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, it actually started back in February when the book was published. And so literally every week we would get orders for book clubs who were reading the book. And so they always wanted to have cakes. Usually they had maybe 8, 10, 15 people who were in the book clubs. We've been getting orders for book clubs since February of 2022. We'll be right back. Today's episode is also presented by California Prunes. I'm a California Prunes fan when it comes to smart snacking. Funnily enough, at the same time we started this podcast, my doctor told me how good prunes are for your gut, your heart, and even your bones. Prunes contain dietary fiber and other nutrients to support good gut health, potassium to support heart health, and vitamin K, copper, and antioxidants to support healthy bones. So prunes became a daily snack of mine. I have them in my cabinet at home, I put them in smoothies, and I bring them with me when I'm on the go because they are perfectly portable. Now let's talk about my true love, baking. California prunes are a great addition to baked goods, especially this time of year. They work beautifully in recipes with rich and complex flavors like espresso, olives, and chilies. And they enhance the flavor of warm spices, toffee, caramel, and chocolate. Consider adding prunes to scones, gingerbread, coffee cake, or any baked good that calls for dried fruit. If you're looking to make some holiday showstoppers, like a fruit cake you make ahead of time, keep prunes in mind when you're assembling the dried fruit you need. They add just the right texture and flavor. Be sure to check out the California Prunes website at californiaprunes.org for recipes and more. That's californiaprunes.org. I've got great news, listeners. Jubilee 2024 is taking place Saturday, April 20th at Center 415 in Manhattan, and tickets are on sale now. Jubilee is the largest gathering of women and culinary creatives in the food and drink space in the U.S. It's a beautiful day of conversation and connection, and I hope to see you there. You can learn more and snag tickets at cherrybomb.com. Now back to our guest. So now I can't wait to dive into your black cake recipe. Can you describe it for us? So it's a cake that I say it's a two-step process. You kind of don't get up in the morning and decide you're making a black cake. You kind of (laughs) have to do some preparatory work. And, you know, you have to buy the dried ingredients, and then they're ground and aged in rum before you actually make the cake. So you can either steep 
you know, your fruits, or you can just, after aging for a long time, you can just go ahead and bake the cake. It's used for weddings. It's used for christenings, anniversary parties. It's used in every type of celebration throughout the entire Caribbean region. I often call it the Rolls Royce of cakes. (laughs) It's something that we celebrate so much, and I think it was really critical for us to share And that's why we have spent so much time just doing a lot of sampling and building because of the legacy. And is it the type of cake that you might even just have on the counter? Like you might make it just because you want to have it around? Or is it because it takes so long and because it has this celebratory kind of nature, it's usually done for an event as opposed to, oh, I'm I'm craving fruitcake? Right. You're correct about that. It was just always for Christmas, yeah, always for weddings or a celebration of sorts. And that was one of the things that I wanted to change. So we always offered it throughout the entire year. You know, we do a lot of weddings. We do black cake for wedding favors and parties. And, you know, so we have varying sizes like minis and bunts and hearts. And are the hearts like tiny little heart-shaped? They are. And that's the thing that Hulu was buying for? Yes. Oh, I love, 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 love. Yes. I know the history and the origins are a little shaky about black cake. Like I've read that maybe the Europeans influenced the evolution, maybe brought it to the islands, but that it's also found in some African countries at this point. It is. I found out a long time ago that Nigeria makes a very similar cake. It was derived from the English pudding when the Caribbean was being colonized. They then started to bake the cake as opposed to steaming it. That's typically what it was, how it's done in England. What I found out, we actually got an order from the the librarian at Harvard called. And yes, they ordered two sheet cakes because Emily Dickinson had a black cake recipe that they have there from the 1800s. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And they were doing some kind of Emily Dickinson celebration? Every every December, they do an Emily Dickinson celebration with black cake. And so they bought our sheet cakes this year. Oh, my gosh. I love a sheet cake. Do you? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I just thought it looked so, like, just a square of that dense, moist black cake. I loved it. (laughs) So first things first, we're going to prepare the fruit mixture, which is soaked fruits and nuts, if Mm -hmm. you want. We're going to mince some raisins. Now, again, I listened to this or I saw on YouTube this fabulous opportunity you had when you baked with Al Roker. And he said something about the raisins being Chilean. I wondered, is that still the case? Are you getting a special raisin or at this point? We do not anymore. And what we were doing at that time, we were making a Dundee cake. Ah, so it's different. Yeah, so it's slightly different. And we were using chili and raisins for a Dundee cake, which is really like a light fruit cake. Again, Jamaicans call it Dundee. <laughs> Barbadians call it a light fruit cake. Okay. So we're going to mince some raisins, mm-hmm. some currants, some mm-hmm. prunes, and I love prunes. And then we're going to add some candied glacé cherries. Yep. 
I looked at that online. It's like a candied cherry, yep. yes? Do you make them, or is that a product you can buy? You can just buy. Okay, great. Yeah. So you buy that in the grocery store, and then some mixed peel. Is mm-hmm. that like lemon and lime? An orange peel. Ah, an orange, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered, how small are we mincing? Like super tiny, or is it more like chopping? It varies, and, you know, I guess it depends on the palate of the person making the cake, okay. whether they want to have it chunky or whether they want to have it smooth. What do you prefer? Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> Love that. And I wondered, can you use different fruit? Could you throw in apricots or dates, or are those the traditional? Those are the traditional fruits, okay. you know, currants. Those are the things. And those are just like little is. dried black currants, yes? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people have added things. Yeah. I know that my husband's aunt, she would often use brandy in her black cake. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so you can do different things with it and create different flavors. So now we're going to add all of the minced fruit to some rum. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, is it dark or is it light? Is it Caribbean rum? What What do you like to use? But it is Caribbean rum, again, dark or light, depending on how strong you want to have your cake. White rum, or yeah. you could have dark rum. So we use dark rum. You use dark. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we're mixing this together maybe in a large bowl? Yeah, a metal bowl. Okay. And we're going to add some powdered allspice and nutmeg mm-hmm. and cloves and some vanilla and almond extracts. Mm-hmm. Are the extracts from a special place? They're from Barbados. And some chopped nuts. And you say that those are optional. Is that mm-hmm. because of allergies or is that because it's not traditional to put nuts in a fruit cake? Oh, it is traditional, but we decided not to with our recipe and only if someone asks because there's so many nut allergies I around know. now. Yeah. And so you have to be so careful. Yes, yes, yes. So we do not use nuts in the main production of our cake. If someone asks for them, is that possible? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you can bring them into your oh, yeah. production space. Mm-hmm. And is there a particular type of nut? Like, is it a walnut or a pecan? It is a walnut. Nice. Also, we're going to mix in some brown sugar and mix that all together. Are we using a wooden spoon? Are we using a spatula? Are we, we're doing both. This, both. <laughs> <laughs> and what should I picture? Is it sort of, basically, we're just trying to soak all that, get all those nuts and fruit kind of covered with the rum exactly. and all the spices incorporated. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to place it in either a glass container or an earthenware jar and cover it. Is that an airtight cover? It is an airtight cover, yes. If you were making one fruitcake, what's the size of the sort of like one of those really large ball jars, let's say? Mm Mm-hmm. And we're going to allow the mixture to steep for three weeks at a minimum or longer. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the length of time. Like, how long are you guys going when you're making it professionally? How long would you do it if you were doing it at home? Yeah, so we do follow that where you go a minimum of three weeks for soaking, and then it's beyond that. A lot of times you can have it soaking for months, and it just sits there. Some people who do it maybe once a year would have it soaking for an entire year. I was going to ask, if you know that someone's getting married in a year and you know that you want to make them a black cake, you might start when you find out that they got engaged. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. You have You know, you have aunties and grandmas, I mean, who are still baking black cake. Do you have to stir it? You just keep it sealed and don't touch it for the entire time. You don't need to go in there. No. No. And what does the process do? Does it just kind of soften the fruit and then enrich it or fruit sort of absorbs the rum? Right, exactly. So the fruit is softened and it swells from the inclusion of the rum. And that's where it gets its rich flavor when you actually bake the cake. 
Three weeks later, or Mm -hmm. a year later, we're going to assemble our cake. So we're going to heat the oven to 275 degrees, which is a low temperature. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us why we do such a low temperature? Simply because the cake would burn if you had it higher. Right, because it has to bake for so long. It does, and it's dense. So you have to make sure that the oven is really low. And now we're going to cook that fruit mixture that we Mm -hmm. just seeped with some water for about 15 minutes or so, stirring over a low heat. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us why we add the fruit to this water and cook it down? Well, what happens is it kind of shortens the baking time a bit. Because you've cooked the fruit a little bit already. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you came up with, or does everyone sort of... It's a choice that individuals make. Some people do it, and some people don't. And also you said, I think, that it reduces the possibility of it burning because it will bake a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And is there a particular kind of pan that we have mixed the fruit and the water together, just a saucepan? Yeah, just a, you know, stainless steel pan. Do we want the water to boil or to simmer? It depends on the individual doing it. If they want to have the fruit really soft, they're Mm going to get that water really hot. And so it depends on how they want to have their fruit. Some people like chunks of right. fruit. They want that texture, yeah, that chewiness. The texture. Yeah, And yeah. some people just don't even bother to, to, to do the water part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So now we're going to cream some butter. And mm-hmm. I wondered, is it unsalted or salted butter? Or does it not matter? It doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. And then is it room temperature butter? Or it is. It's room temp butter. We're going to cream that with some brown sugar. And are we using like an electric mixer or are we doing this by hand? Well, you can use an electric mixer until the point where the fruit's added. So we have our stand mixer, let's Mm -hmm. say, with the paddle Mm -hmm. attachment. Mm -hmm. And then is it like medium speed or high Mm -hmm. speed? Yeah. You start with the basic recipe for cake. Okay. So, you know, however you would do your pound cake, you're going to start with a speed that gets you where you need to go. Where you need to be. Yeah. And now we're going to beat in our eggs Mm -hmm. one at a time. And then we're going to add in our cooked fruit mixture. Mm -hmm. Can the fruit mixture be hot at this point, or should the fruit mixture come to room temperature? It should be at room temperature. Uh, For those people who like to do that, I think it is really important for it to be at room temperature. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. I thought so, because otherwise I feel like it could Mm -hmm. melt the butter. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're going to stir in some burnt sugar coloring, which Mm -hmm. is an ingredient that takes the cake from a brown cake to a black cake. Can you tell us a little bit about how we make a burnt sugar coloring? Well, you just do it really with some brown sugar. You know, want to have it on the fire, and you're going to actually stir it. Kind of like a caramel almost? Yep, it is a caramel. Ah, nice, nice, nice. I love that burnt sugar coloring. We're going to sift some all-purpose flour, some baking powder, and some salt. Do you like to use kosher salt or fine sea salt? Do you have a salt preference when you're making this cake? No, it's just any salt. So we sift our flour, our baking powder, our salt, and we're sifting it. Do you have a special tool or do you just use like a sieve, like a special straining tool? Yeah, you just use a sieve. Okay. You just use a sieve to sieve the flour. Perfect. So then we're going to sift that flour. We're going to mix it together with the eggs and the sugar mixture. And at this point, have we taken maybe the bowl off of the stand mixer and we're just working by hand? Exactly. We're working by hand. Once we add that fruit, everything is by hand. Right, correct. And sort of using a spatula or Mm -hmm. a wooden spoon. Mm -hmm. Do you have a preference on which one you would use? Well, you need them both because you have to, you know, use a wooden spoon to stir. You need the spatula to make sure that you get the edges in and and folded in. Yes. And now it's time to bake the cake. So we're going to prepare our baking tin. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular size? Is it like a round cake pan? Yeah, it usually is. Eight-inch or nine-inch. Perfect. Perfect. 
we're going to grease the pan. Yes. Or do you like to use a cooking spray, or do you like to grease with butter? Both sometimes. Yeah. I use both sometimes. Yeah, yeah. just to be extra sure that yes. it's going to come out. Exactly. And then we're going to line the cake pan with two layers of waxed paper. Mm-hmm. First of all, how come two? And also, do you ever use parchment paper? Or We do sometimes yeah. use parchment paper. But the two layers is just to be extra sure that your cake releases. Exactly. Do they tend to stick to the pan or not if you prepare them properly? They don't because you have to make sure that the pan is properly greased. Yes. And now we're going to transfer the batter to the pan. It should be about one inch from the top. I would think with such a dense cake, it might not rise that much. It does not rise that much, yeah. So you're not going to have a cake that's going to fluff up like a pound cake. Even with that baking powder, it still doesn't doesn't get much higher than what you pour into it. Exactly. Got Mm -hmm. it. And we're going to bake it for two to three hours. Correct. And we're going to test it with a skewer, Mm -hmm. which I love. I always use a skewer because I like those... I like that you have those little kind of rough edges of a skewer so you can really see. Yeah. And if you do a toothpick, it's too short. It is. (laughs) (laughs) So are we looking for the skewer to be clean or do you want a moist crumb? What do you like to see? It should should be clean, actually. Yes. Now we're going to prepare the soak. Should we start to prepare the soak before the cake comes out so that we're ready to pour as soon as it comes out of the oven? No, you could let it cool a bit. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. So we're going to prepare the soak. We're going to combine port wine and some falernum. Falernum is akin to Barbados. Yeah, (laughs) I I Googled it, so now I know what it is. It has some some lime and some cloves and sugar and ginger and almond extract. It sounds delicious. Is it alcoholic in and of itself? It is, but it's more sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it is. And would people drink it like with an ice cube by itself? Right, exactly. Yeah. Or you add cola tonic. There's this thing called cola tonic in yeah. Barbados that goes also well with falernum. Oh, sounds delicious. <laughs> so we combine some port wine and some falernum with some rum. Mm-hmm. Are you usually using falernum in the bakery or when you're making these cakes, or are you using port wine? Well, both. Oh, both. Oh, so yeah. it's port wine, falernum, and rum. Yes. Ah. And are you cooking it or just mixing it together? Oh, just mixing it. Mixing it together. And you said it can rest a little while Mm -hmm. you combine these ingredients. Once the cake's removed from the oven, you're going to prick it Mm -hmm. all over with a skewer and slowly pour that soak over the cake until it's completely absorbed. Yes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. And then, I love this, you're going to keep the cake in the pan with the soak for three to four days. Correct. I love that. And that's just to really make sure that it absorbs all of that soak. Right. It continues to age. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I was thinking about that. Like sometimes when I make a lemon cake, I'll do a, you know, I'll poke and I'll put in a lemon syrup. But it's never occurred to me to wait several days. I wonder if you could do that waiting Mm. with cakes other than a black cake or if you should not do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just intrigued by the idea. And are you covering the pan for the three to four days? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to remove the cake from the pan and you're going to cover it with a layer of almond icing or marzipan. And then are you icing that with royal icing, or is that another choice, the royal icing? The royal icing is a second choice. Usually you would put the marzipan on to stop the cake from bleeding through. I mean, a lot of times this is done for weddings primarily. And you would put marzipan on it first, and then you would have that dry, and then you would add the, the, royal, icing. I, the royal icing. And do you tend to frost the cakes, or do you tend I do not. Okay. Because we're a mail order. We yeah. ship our cakes all over the world. We yeah. can all of our cakes. We wrap and can all of our cakes, yeah. seal them. So we really 
don't do too much decorating except for primarily weddings or celebrations. So if someone local is having a wedding and then you're making the cakes, you would decorate them for them? Oh, yeah, we absolutely can. We've done quite a few wedding cakes this summer. Can you tell us, I was hoping just a little bit about some of the other recipes, like your rum cake versus your black cake. Can you tell us what the difference is between those two? Well, the difference is primarily that our rum cakes have rum on it after it's baked, more so than the black cake. Because you don't, you know, we don't really put too much of the mixture on our black cake, but we really soak our rum cake. Still with the falernum or just do rum on No, top? it's it's different. Ah, yeah. delicious. Yeah. And then the Dundee cake, or it's also called a Scottish fruit cake? It may be. I, I know it as a light fruit cake. Yeah, your mom called it a light fruit cake. Yeah. Yeah. There was a funny moment in that YouTube video with Al Roker where he says to you, that's not light. There's a half pound of butter in there. I know. I know. He kept pouring it on and on. (laughs) That's hilarious. Just to make it clear, the brown cake is like a black cake, but save for that you don't put in that burnt sugar. That's the only difference. And I assume that not only changes the color, does it also change the flavor or do they still end up tasting very similarly? The taste is very similar, but there's, you know, some people's palate would prefer a brown cake as opposed to a black cake. Yeah. And do you have a favorite cake that you love to make or that your team loves to make? And is there a team of people helping you do this? I hope so. We do have a team, (laughs) yeah. And does everyone prefer, like, love black cake the most or is there... Most of them prefer to have black cake, yeah. But we do have customers that prefer rum cake and not black cake. And then I also read, but I didn't see this on the website, that maybe did you used to make a coconut cake or there were a couple of other options? Yeah, so we made coconut bread. Yum. It's a coconut bread. Kind of like a pound cake, should I picture? No, it's it's like a bread. Oh, okay. It's a loaf. It's made with coconut, and then we have this little coconut mixture we put in the middle of it. It's really delicious, but we've kind of had to uh, take it off of our website, yeah. unfortunately. Sometimes we do a German chocolate cake. I read that as well. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah, that must be harder to ship, I assume. It is, but, you know, it offers someone something that's not alcoholic, and it's it's really posing a a slight challenge for us at the moment, too, because we don't get that many orders for it. Yes. So you want to do the thing that you get the orders for. Yeah, exactly. I I understand. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Angela. And I just want to say that you are my cherry pie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jesse. It was really wonderful, and I appreciate the opportunity to share. That's it for today's show. Thank you to Plugra Premium European Style Butter and California Prunes for their support. Don't forget to subscribe to She's My Cherry Pie on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and tell your baking buddies about us. She's My Cherry Pie is a production of the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network and is recorded at CityVox Studio in Manhattan. Our producers are Carrie Diamond and Catherine Baker. Our associate producer is Jenna Sadu, and our editorial assistant is London Crenshaw. Thank you so much for listening to She's My Cherry Pie, and happy baking. <laughs>